and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's our theme verse from the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 4, for this week's Sunday Message Podcast. Senior Pastor Perry Duggar will continue in our series, Church Empowered, with this week's episode titled, Holy Spirit. If you want to watch the video of this week's message, listen to worship, or search through our message archives, visit brookwoodchurch.org slash watch, or download the Brookwood Church app. We pray this message encourages you and your walk with Christ. That's what we need, isn't it? For, for the Spirit of God to breathe on our church. That doesn't mean on this building. It means on each of us individually who make up the church. Today we continue our survey of Acts, which I have called Church Empowered. And today's message is entitled, Holy Spirit. If you have downloaded the outline or if you're looking at your phone at our resources, you will see that the theme verse for today, one taken out of this passage, is the first part of Acts chapter 2 at verse 4. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you were here last week and you've read the chapter, I urge you to please read Acts because I can't, I can't deal exhaustively with all these passages. Some of them I won't touch at all, just for time's sake. Jesus was eating with his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, and he told them, wait in Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem until you have been baptized by the Holy Spirit. You think they knew what that meant? Absolutely not. And so then we begin this passage, chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, all of the believers, now there, there were likely, there was by now 12 apostles. Judas died, they replaced him, remember, in chapter 1. I didn't deal with that. But, but in this gathering was more likely the 120 the first group consisted of 120. Look at Acts 1.15. And so on the day of Pentecost, all the believers, all 120 of them, were meeting together in one place. Acts 1.13 implies perhaps the upper room, but it must have been big if there were 120 of them there. So somewhere they were gathered. Now Pentecost in Greek means 50th. And Pentecost is the same as the festival, the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Harvest. And it was celebrated 50 days after Passover. So we've come to a time that's 50 days after Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead. Or then it would be 48 days, I guess. But on Pentecost, in Jerusalem, Jesus' followers all experience the Holy Spirit. So as we begin, have you experienced the Holy Spirit? Can you detect it? Now, we just heard Kara sing beautifully, didn't we? But there's a difference between Kara's beautiful voice moving us emotionally and the Spirit of God speaking through her. There's a difference, isn't there? Can we discern that 
difference. I don't, I'm not claiming it's always simple, but it is definitely different. So we'll see a few things, a few indicators of the presence of the Holy Spirit. First, the Holy Spirit provides evidence. Verse 2. Suddenly, so there was a sense of surprise. There was a sound from heaven. Notice the source, not outside the window, a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. Was it a windstorm? Was it? What'd you say, Chris? wasn't a windstorm. It was like a windstorm because it came from heaven. See, but the sound was like a windstorm. Read these words closely. They're all deliberate. The sound like a mighty windstorm. See, this wasn't just a a natural weather phenomenon. This was a supernatural act. And it filled the house where they were in deep prayer as they lay prostrate. Is that what it says? What does it say? Sitting. Sitting. You think they were all praying while they were sitting? They were just sitting. They didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, people in this era actually tended to pray either standing or lying prostrate or at least kneeling, not sitting. When they were sitting, they were just, what, Linda? Sitting. They were just sitting. They didn't know what was about to happen. Jesus had said this thing, but they weren't sure what it meant. Now, it's interesting. In both the Hebrew and the Greek, the words for wind and spirit are the same. But there's another English word, too. Kara sang it. That's the same. Breath or breathe. All the same word in Greek, pneuma. After the, after the sound of a mighty wind, then there came a visual display. Verse 3. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire. Was it flames, Chris? It looked like it. It looked like <laughs> Come up here on stage. I need your help. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared. Was it lit- were they literal flames? No. If a literal flame touched your head, what happens to your hair? What happens to it, Lloyd? Burnt. Singed. And settled on each of them. Did it just hover in the room? What'd it do? You think it was individual? You think it was personal? That's exactly what it was. Everyone present received the Holy Spirit individually, personally. Now, let me give you a little explanation. You know, we've used these logos for the series. And what's our logo? You've seen it? A dove, 
with some flames. Well, at Jesus' baptism, the Spirit descended in bodily form like what? Like a dove. So that's why we use this image, and, and particularly the Methodist church, it's part of their continual imagery. But others do as well. But why we use a dove in flames is to symbolize what the Spirit looked like when it showed it himself tangibly, where people could see. So that's why we use that symbol. Now, the baptism of the Spirit, again, Acts 1-5, Jesus told them it was the baptism of the Spirit. Wait on the baptism. Joined all of them into one spiritual body. The body of Christ. Because they individually had all of the spirit, but not by themselves. All of us share the spirit. And see, the fact that we share the spirit makes us more like each other than having the same background, having the same ethnicity, having the same skin color. We share the same Spirit of God within us, which makes unity, harmony possible when we listen to Him. Acts 8, 9 through 11. At verse 4, And everyone present was filled with the Spirit. Now, do you think baptism in the Spirit and being filled in the Spirit are the same? What do you think, Tina? See, I use Tina when I need a right answer. I use... Is it the same? No, why would it be listed separately? The problem is in, in, in today's church theology, a lot of times these things are mashed together and a lot of confusion results. But I think if we read closely, it's, it's not so quite so entangled. Is that fair? Being filled with the Spirit is different than being baptized in the Spirit. Baptism, and, and the word baptizo in the Greek means to make fully wet. Like if you took a sponge and immersed it or a washcloth. But it also means wash. It also means immerse. That's what baptizo, baptize, means. The word baptize is what we call a transliteration from a Greek word. So it wasn't trans, if it was translated, the word baptize wouldn't appear in an English translation. It would say the word immerse or the word wash. You see my point? So what was happening is that word in Greek was just made into an English word, which, is, which does lend us some confusion about how much water we should use. So, baptized with the Spirit is a permanent, unrepeatable act by which we are born again, justified, Adopted into the family of God, made a part of Christ's church, and made a part of each other. All that occurs at baptism. That's why it's essential 
for you to become a Christian, you must be baptized in the Spirit. A person without the baptism of the Spirit is just a good person that agrees with some religious theology. You're made in Christ only by the Spirit. Not by yourself. You get that, Carla? Not by yourself. As good as you might be. Now, the Bible doesn't direct us to to attempt to be baptized in the Spirit repeatedly. In fact, Jesus said, wait until you are baptized. It was passive by the Spirit. But believers are instructed to be filled with the Spirit continuously or continually. In other words, repeatedly. Baptism in the Spirit grants us the power that the filling of the Spirit unleashes. Does that make sense? Without the baptism, you don't have the power. Without the filling, you won't be able to use the power because the flesh will be stronger than the Spirit. You see? Verse 4b. And after being baptized with the Spirit, they began speaking in other languages or tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, the languages or or tongues, which is a more literal translation of the word Greek, actually the tongue, glossa, spoken on the day of Pentecost... What kind of languages were they? Were they unknown, undecipherable languages? What were they? They were the languages of the people. They were the languages of the people. They were known languages that were unknown to the speakers. It's like me. See, when I'm speaking in English, not in this service, but in the next one, there are people who are hearing me in Spanish. Leanne calls my Spanish Spanglish. And there are also people who hear me in Portuguese, but it's because someone else is interpreting between me and them. Some of them are hearing English in in one ear and their own native tongue in the other ear. Can you imagine that? With this accent. So the, the filling of the Spirit brings us in closer relationship with Christ. So how does that happen? How do we come into closer relationship with Christ? Well, at the very least, we repent of sin. We repent of known sin, don't we? Because sin always gets between us and Christ. But we also yield ourselves to the Spirit's leading which means not to the world's leading, not even to our best friend's leading. And it results in greater intimacy with God and it produces attitudes and actions such as as worship. Have you noticed that some Sundays you come in here and worship just happens out of you? Have you? Who's noticed that? 
But other times, you can't hardly get it started. You can't jump start it, can you? Because you're in here, you're worried, you're mad with someone, you've been, you're fighting out in the parking lot. You, you, you can't generate it in the spirit. And so when we yield ourselves, though, those things, worship springs from us. We have conviction over the right issues. We're enabled to do things. It might be preach. It might be express thanks. It may be show love in ways that we, we in ourselves, are so wounded, we're unable to. Forgiveness, peace, obedience, all these characteristics. But also, spiritual gifts are given for particular situations. Ephesians 5, 18 and following. So speaking in tongues was a supernatural way of inviting all and demonstrating that the church was open to all, all nations, all races, all languages, all cultures, all backgrounds. So have you been baptized by the Spirit? That did occur as an event. Can you remember the day? It may be that sometimes you can only remember it looking back. You know, I realize, and you've heard me say this, that I was born again as a senior in college. But I thought I was a Christian from the age of eight years old. Went to church, you know, did everything I was asked, been baptized, been rededicated a few times. And then something happened when I was far from God. And so it took me a while to understand that I was baptized in, I believed everything before, but I was baptized in the spirit in that event. When I wasn't looking for God, I was far from him. I wasn't sure he knew how to find me, but the spirit of God opened my eyes and in me, and it's not atypical, but it isn't true of every, every uh, regeneration. I felt the sense of my sin first when that pure spirit was introduced into what certainly wasn't a pure person. I felt that first you did too. Are you being filled with the Spirit? You've been baptized. Now are you being filled? You have a role in this now. Through the Word, through prayer, through preaching, through relationships. What's the evidence that these things are happening in your life? The presence of the Holy Spirit also provides effects. Verse 5. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation. These are, these, these are Jews from all the places where the Jews had been dispersed under persecution. They were spread out all over. They were living in Jerusalem because Pentecost was one of three major Jewish festivals or feasts. 
And so Hebrew males were expected to travel to Jerusalem for this pilgrimage. But, but wait a minute now, it says they were living there. Well, yeah, because some of them may have stayed from Passover because it, they may have lived over a thousand miles away if they lived in Egypt, if they lived in Libya, if they lived in Italy. They were hundreds of miles away, if not over a thousand. So some perhaps even stayed there and found a place to board, essentially. So here were these Jews living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, what was the noise? The wind. But notice this, everyone came running. So not only was the wind from heaven, the wind took them to a particular place. So it wasn't an ordinary wind, was it? Because if the wind's blowing, you don't, you don't know where to go to find the source, but somehow they even knew where to go to find the source of it. And so they all ran to where this 120 were, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. And they were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed, these people are all from Galilee. Now, this was a critical statement. Because Galileans were just rural farmers, shepherds, uneducated, ignorant people who spoke Aramaic. So they're essentially saying, how do these Galileans know our language? It really wasn't a real positive statement. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native tongues. And then they name off who they are. Here we are, it says. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Figria, Pamphylia, Egypt, the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. Now, today, these places would be located in Israel, Italy, Iran, Iraq, Turkey, Syria, the island of Crete, Asia Minor, Egypt, and North Africa. So you say, well, that's not the whole world. Well, it was virtually all of the known Roman world, you see. But it was some of it a thousand miles away. So after gathering the crowd using the sound of a great wind, see, God is never without resources, is he? The Spirit enabled these followers of Jesus Christ, the disciples, the apostles, to praise the one true God so that all heard and understood. Now, why is that key? Well, here's why. See, the followers of Jesus weren't trying to found a new faith. They understood that they were the fulfillment of messianic prophecy in Judaism. But they were looked at skeptically. They were ostracized. They were criticized as being some kind of a cult following, essentially. 
They thought, in fact, people accused them of blaspheming God, cursing God. But this event showed them miraculously that they were devoted to the same Hebrew God as all of these hearers were. And this experience displayed that all the church, that the church was for all the world, regardless of race, nationality, or language. What we see here is the beginning of the fulfillment of the Great Commission. The presence of the Holy Spirit also provides explanation. There's some understanding. So they stood in amazement, this says. Amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they ask each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, they're just drunk, that's all. So some in the crowd immediately understood this unusual experience of these Galileans speaking in languages that the people knew, but the speakers didn't know, as a work of God. Others, well, did they just say it was the babbling of drunks or did they really think it was? Somebody courageous give me an answer. You think they really thought it was? I agree with you. Others reject it as the babbling of drunks because that may have been all they heard. You say, well, how could they reject this obvious evidence that something so miraculous was occurring? Well, maybe they were threatened and they were just criticizing it as drunks. But maybe they only heard babbling. Maybe they only heard babbling. How many of you, when you came to faith, had at least one person tell you you were going through a phase, you would settle down later? How many of you had something, something like that said to you? Yeah, I told you the story before. I was practicing law, you know, and it takes a long time to get in law school, get through law school, pass the bar, I'm practicing, I'm trying cases, and God calls. And I left law practice. I was telling the partners, and one of the men in the community who was another attorney, I did insurance defense and medical malpractice defense. This man couldn't figure it, and his words to me were, you'll come back. You'll come back. You'll do this a while, and you'll come back. And of course, I just said, well, we'll see. But you see, when people can't understand what's happening in in you, they have to attribute it to something. Even babbling like a drunk. The, The ability, but don't ever miss this. The ability to see and hear spiritually is from the Lord. It's not from us as humans. The ability to hear, the ability to understand, the Spirit of God in us convicts us so we know. 
Proverbs 20, 12, Matthew 13, 15, and 16, John 12, 39, and 40. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, Make no mistake about that. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Peter didn't know some of my fraternity brothers. <laughs> Although usually they hadn't been to sleep yet. You know. Then Peter declares that this unusual occurrence fulfilled prophecy from Joel chapter 2. And he continues. Know what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. Now, Peter quoted the entire prophecy. I'm not going to for time's sake. But he ended with this invitation at the end of this prophecy. He did quote this part that's found in the, in the prophecy. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Then he went on to proclaim the gospel. People of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, who were they? Huh? Who were they? Not Pharisees, those are Jews. Romans. Romans. You nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in its grip. And then he quoted David from Psalm 16 and Psalm 110 to support the resurrection as well. And then he closed this sermon. I guess you could say it was the the first Christian sermon at Acts 2.36. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. And Peter's words pierced their hearts. I'd say the Spirit of God actually pierced their hearts, empowering the words of Peter. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what must we do? And you know what? That's what happens when we testify, when we are witnesses of what God has done. People will say, well, what what must I do? How can I receive what you've received? And Peter replied, each one of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then this is very key. This promise, which is forgiveness of sins and receiving the gift of the Spirit, is to you, but also to your children. 
and even Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Now, this verse right here is the center, is a verse that divides denominations. Covenant theology is parked right here. But here's what I believe it's saying on its face. What you just experienced, odd as it was, unique as it is, is going to keep on happening. Wherever people believe, they'll be forgiven of their sins. And this same spirit that just filled these people, that baptized them before that, will fall on you. The spirit would continue to be given. And those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. The church was birthed on that day. The presence of the Holy Spirit. Here's when it's functioning. Here's what it provides. And I promise you I'll fly past. The scripture then gives a description of how the church composed of, of people who are baptized and filled with the spirit will function should function and will function. Here's a model. There ought to be spiritual fellowship first. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So Bible study and to fellowship, which is spiritual relationship, not just eating covered dish, which we can't even do now. And to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. So these things, a church is composed of saved people devoted to the word of God, to studying the Bible, to sharing in spiritual life, engaging in the Lord's Supper and joining together in prayer. So how many of these things are you participating in? That's just the first part of being a part of a church. Supernatural power then results. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. See, initially, miracles confirmed these apostles were God's messengers. But God still performs miracles in response to our prayers. He doesn't heal every time, but God still heals. God still gives gifts. The gifts are to function in the church, to fulfill what's needed at that time. And I believe this. I believe a church that pursues these spiritual practices will experience miracles. Whether it be healed, sometimes we we value healing the most. But you know what the greatest miracle is? What's the greatest miracle? Salvation's the greatest miracle. Healing can happen, but you'll die again. Unless Christ comes first, salvation secures your soul from now on. And if we're pursuing God, I think salvation will occur in people's lives. Selfless generosity and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Well, Perry, now you're going to make us sell everything we have. I mean, with this coronavirus, we're losing everything we have anyway. This looks like socialism. Uh, No, no, no. Socialism is compulsory imposed by the government. This is generous, merciful kindness. 
done at our decision to share. You know what? I've been telling you for years. I'm, I'm convicted that we need to do something to meet tangible needs in this community. We've made a few overtures, a few attempts. We're, 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 we're starting again. We're having a number of doctors who have retired. We've been having some meetings. Mike Keppel is leading it to see, can we open a free medical clinic? to meet a very tangible need in some people's lives. So pray, but you have to pray and you have to give. But I think it could meet a need for those who are struggling. Maybe they've lost their job. Maybe they're between jobs, but they have this very real need. So that's a way I think we can be merciful. Sincere relationships. It hasn't started, but there've been a number of meetings We've met with some other folks that are engaged in this kind of ministry. And um, there may be some more of you physicians, nurses, um, physicians assistants say, I'd like to be part of that. But we're, we're gathering some troops, but we also have to gather resources as well. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. You know, folks, when we're filled with the Spirit, you know what happens? We have harmony. We have joy. Our lives aren't marked by criticism and negativity. Our lives become marked with praise for God and generosity. So look at yourself. What flows out? What flows out? Is it praise for God? Is it generosity? Is it concern for other people? And specific results will happen. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. People came to faith. And I think people do come to faith when a church is led by the Spirit. When a church practices love for God and love for others. When a church is unconcerned about background, race, ethnicity, but we love where there is need. And we're sensitive that all people are treated alike in the family of God. So how is the Spirit's presence expressed in your life today? And what about in this church? You know, as I close, take note of the memory verse, Acts 2, 38. You know, there, small groups are meeting, some in person, some online. Online, you can get uh, information from the website. Join up with some people. Say, you know, I want to become part of this church as well. So review that memory verse. Also, we have spiritual practices. And spiritual practice for today that would be a good start, but continue is if you want to be filled with the spirit, that means that's the same as walking with God. It means sensing the spirit speaking, yielding to his leading. So think about it as we close. In what ways have you experienced the spirit? What have you heard? What have you given of yourself to follow? How have you yielded? 
And how many, I want to see hands on this, will you begin every day this week, but even beyond, asking God to help you be aware of his spirit and to empower you to do his work. Did y'all get all that or was that too much? How many? Come on, every day this week. But I urge you to start it as a practice. As I close, we need to either approve or disapprove the ministry plan that David explained to you. Then we had an open discussion time that a few came to. But here's what I'm asking. If If you accept the ministry plan as proposed, but voting yes means you'll participate in the life of the church and generously in giving. How many of you approve the ministry plan? Raise your hands. Okay, and now you can be dismissed. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. Our memory verse is the book of Acts, chapter two, verse 38. And Peter replied, and each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's spiritual practice. Have you received the Holy Spirit? How is His presence evident in your life? At Brookwood Church, we want to help you pursue a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience a transformed life. One way you can do this is by getting connected at Brookwood. Please email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call 864-688-8326 to speak to someone in our Connections team. Thank you for listening and have a great week.